This message was recorded live. Back in the 1980s, mid-80s, Joy and I were leading a group of singles at Lakewood Church. And we had a Friday night meeting every Friday, every Friday night. We'd have food and get together, and we'd always have a message. But one Friday night, I had to be out of town. I was still working. And so Joy, for the very first time, filled in for me. And uh, it just, she kind of just blew the room up. And they did, because this was back during the days of cassette tapes. Now, if you're not familiar with that, you just go ahead and Google it when you get home. But it was uh, cassette tapes. And somebody got a cassette tape of her message to Pastor John Osteen, who was our pastor at the time. Well, he came and found me the next Sunday morning. I'll never forget, he, 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 tapped, he, he tapped me like this on the chest. He said, hey, she can speak for you anytime. <laughs> Those of you who have been here for a while realize that Joy doesn't speak much, but when she does, it is a huge blessing to this church, and we are very, we are very gifted. So she is a gift to us, and I will tell you this, without any reservation, there's no one who prays for you more than she does. And so someone who prays for you that much, give her your ears. She's got something to say. Sweetie. The Lord's good. He's so good. Well, about a year ago, my daughter came to visit and her oldest son, Grant, we were, we were sitting in the bedroom, we were just talking, and I don't know what he did, but he tripped over something and he fell. And he started crying, and it's like, are you okay? And I could tell he had a sad face, he's crying. But then I noticed that his face turned from sad to mad, and he was angry. He had a little fist action going. And before we knew it, he reached his foot out and he kicked Alan. And I went, well, Alan's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't trip you. And I thought, Hey, it's in the family. You get sad, you get mad, and you kick Alan. You know, you kick the people around you. Isn't that true that what, that's what happens sometimes? And those are some emotions we all have. We all deal with sorrow and sadness and madness and anger that can, without us realizing it, get really bad, and we end up kicking it out on our people that we love so much and even in our relationship with God. And I'm going to share with you this morning some things I've prayed about personally for my own life and just thought about so much because I thought, Lord, in life there's sorrow. There's times when we feel angry and I haven't always known what to do with those emotions. Sometimes when something really hard happened to me, I'm like, Father, please, I ask you that my life would not cause somebody else sorrow or pain. So what do I do with these very real feelings that we all deal with? Are they, we're not supposed to have them? No. The scriptures actually say this in Ecclesiastes 11.10, and this is a verse I've just kind of thought about for a long time. Therefore, remove sorrow. It's an interchangeable word with anger from your heart. I thought, isn't sorrow and anger a reaction of mine? Isn't it situational because something happens on the outside? but I'm not thinking about it getting in my heart. If I get it in my heart, that's when our heart breaks. And all too often, these ugly, hard, difficult things that happen in life get in us. If we're not careful, we don't look at real closely what the Bible says about anger, which is sorrow. Sometimes the deepest grief, it starts out sad, 
and all of a sudden, you're mad and you're angry. But the Bible says this. It says, anger in a man does not work the right things or righteousness of God. It also says, if your friend, and you get really close to a man who's angry, not just someone with a situation, they're an angry person, you can learn their ways. So there's ways of anger, and it can be a snare in your soul, a trap to you. But what I found is, in my own life, when I'm really angry, sometimes it reveals pride. I don't want that in my heart. So it makes me think, I want to make sure when life happens, and it does, and I feel sad, and I feel mad, and I feel a sense of my own pride, righteous indignation, I want to remove that. Do you know what indignation means? I looked it up. It means anger with disgust. I have used that word. I have made so many excuses in my life for my anger sometimes, and yet, I don't want to be a person that has anger and disgust in me. Does that mean we'll never have an uncomfortable conversation? We'll never have a difficult thing we have to deal with? We'll never feel anger? No. Jesus felt anger, but he didn't sin with it. And it actually says God had angry, and he was angry for a moment. I would love to just have a moment of anger. And it's over with. I'm good. But let's see in Ephesians 4. What does it say about this very strong emotion? I'm I'm really talking to you very personally in my life. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath or anger, nor to give place to the devil. It's very safe here to say we are going to feel angry, which is relieving to me because I'm like, I can still be mad at Alan, and I like that thought. You know, I'm like, <laughs> but there's a way not to sin in that. And the way not to sin in it is you can't let that anger sit. You can't let that madness, sadness sit too long. Even if it's sorrow or the deepest grief, if that sits, you can give place for the enemy to come in. And like a wild animal, he can run havoc and just ruin some things for you. All started off sad, and then it got really mad, and then it got very bad. Why? What is it? It sat too long. By the end of the day, when the sun goes down, you got to let that go. You've got to let anger, how do we do that? We have to ask God, help me let anger and sorrow and traumatic things that happen in my life go. Sometimes Alan and I are talking about something, and, and he's like, let's let it go. I'm like, I don't want to let it go yet. <laughs> you let it go. <laughs> I always thought he's an angry person because he's a stronger personality. But he, he'd get angry and get over it, not me. I was slow to anger, which is kind of good, but I'd hold on to anger. I'd let that thing sit and then kick it out on everybody around me, not even realizing it. You know, I like to think of what the Lord's helped me with as a little picture. If we think of anger like milk, spoiled milk, Anger has an expiration date on it, according to that scripture. It can't sit too long. If you drink spoiled milk, expired a couple of months ago, oh, how are you going to feel? How about warm milk? Ever woken up in the morning and someone left the carton of milk out all night long? You're going to drink a big glass of that? 
put it back in the refrigerator for your family? <laughs> Alan will never know. He's mixing it with cereal. <laughs> That's when I'm angry I want to do that. So it has an expiration date on it. You can't let it sit. You have to let it go. We have to get it to, or it'll spoil on the inside of us. So how do we get it in us? We read angry things. We feed on angry things. We talk about it. We think about it. And down it goes, and it spoils something on the inside of us. It spoils our relationship with the Lord. You may not realize it. It spoils our relationships with other people. You may not realize that either. I was, when I was a young girl, I went to my aunt's house, and she was real funny about my cousin and I. She said, now I'm going to my sister's, and I want you to eat everything, and I want you to drink everything. She, we're going to be polite. I was like, okay, how bad could it be? Really bad. <laughs> and it wasn't just the food. She had poured a large glass of milk for us, and she didn't have any children. Who knows how long the milk was in there, because I could smell it. Yeah, and it was warm, and it was a big glass, and my aunt kept going, drink your milk, drink your milk. I was like, ah. I'd gulp and gag, and gulp and gag, and gulp and gag, and I was like, I am so sick if I never have milk in my whole life. And that's how I want to be towards anger. We gulp and gag, we gulp and gag, we gulp and we take in angry things that spoil in our soul. We take in the sorrow and it sits and give the enemy place. I want to show you a scripture this morning from a man in the Bible named Naaman. We find him in the Old Testament in 2 Kings 5. I love his life because he walks away from anger and pride and God is able to move in his life. He gives place for God to move. And I know in my heart, as I have prayed for us all here, that is what God has for us. And if you've thought, I, you don't know what happened to me. I can't walk away from the traumatic event. I can't walk away from some things. I can't let it go. But with God, you really can. God wants to bring us a healing deep within. So Naaman, let me tell you about him. Naaman is a man. He's a military man, a great commander. God had great victories that were won through Naaman, this man. He's not godly. He doesn't know God. None of his people do in Syria. But he had victories. He's mighty. He's high-ranking. It's very unusual for, for, for him, the situation he's in, because the problem is with Naaman, even though he's great, he's a leper. He's a leper. You didn't see it that much in those type of ranks. It was mostly among the poorest and in poverty. It was where you saw leprosy. Leprosy was a horrible, horrible disease. It eat away at the nose and the, the ears and the deformity it caused and the lack of feeling. You would lose feeling in your limbs, lose your fingers, your toes. Highly contagious, your life is over. It's a death sentence. It's over with for you if you had leprosy. Now, another thing I have to tell you in this story here, we have Naaman. He's a mighty man. He's leprous. But in Syria, probably other things too, they would go around to different countries, different places. They went around to Israel, and they would have raiding parties. This is not the kind of party you want to be a part of. 
a raiding party is they would go in and take all the valuables of a certain people and take them to themselves. They would take children. Could you imagine someone taking your children and they're going to be slaves in Syria for the rest of their life? Yeah, that's valuable. But there was this valuable little servant girl from Israel in Naaman's home. Mighty man, leprous. Look at the reactions of the people. And I believe God's going to help us here. Watch, this little Syrian girl had gone out on, the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife and she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. This little girl, a captive girl, has such compassion in her heart, such great faith at a young, small age. She believes in a mighty God and cares compassionately about the man that she's serving to say, if only you could get to the man that speaks the words of the Lord in my country, he would heal you. This little girl, this little voice, believes in a great big God because no one in the land at that time is getting healed of leprosy. But she believes if you get to God, there's help and healing there. Amazing what she does. Her little words, so simple, seemed like so insignificant, but they weren't. They got to the king. The king of Syria loves Naaman, loves him. He's willing, fine, I'm on it. If we can get healing for you, you're going to Israel. Bring gold, bring silver, bring clothes. I don't care what it takes. Send horses and chariots, and I'm going to send a note. And he sends a note to the king of Israel. I'm sending my servant to you. He was so valuable to him. I'm sending him to you so he can be healed of leprosy. The king of Israel, he's in a land where God is known. He's in a land where the word of the Lord is spoken. But when he gets that letter, he rips his clothes. He's so angry. He's like, are you kidding me? You think that I could heal someone of leprosy? This is a trick. You're trying to pick a fight. Well, his words get to the prophet in Israel named Elisha. Elisha sends a message back. This is a story of messages, isn't it? Sends a message back and says, why are you ripping your clothes? A little too dramatic, don't you think? He says, tell Naaman, tell him to come to me. He'll see that there is the word of God in our land. He'll see something, let him come to me. Fine, sends him there. Sends him to Elijah's house chariots, horses, whole company of people. They park outside of Elijah's door and he stands at the door, pomp and circumstance, a man of means, a man of great accomplishments. And he stands there with high expectations, but he's not going to get what he thinks because Elijah's not going to even come out and greet him. Elijah's not going to even invite him in. Elijah's going to send a message to him through a messenger, and he says, you go and tell Mr. Naaman, tell him to go dip in the river Jordan seven times, and if he does that, his flesh is going to come to him again, and he will be healed. 
What do you think Naaman's response is? And this is how we can tell if there's anger or sorrow that's gone from the situation and gotten in our heart. His response is this. He's furious. He goes away and he says, indeed, I said to myself, he is going to come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place, and heal the leprosy. Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. And that's where the story could have ended. And that's sometimes where our story ends because we're too mad from something too sad and we let it sit until it all goes bad. You walk out of your marriage that way. You walk out of church that way. You walk away from the things of God and where your help and healing are that way in a rage. Listen to the tone in his voice. He's highly disrespectful, indignant with great disgust. These rivers and waters in this land, I don't want to wash in these. The Jordan for him to get there would have been inconvenient. It was known as a muddy river. He didn't respect God. He said, you should have called on your God. You should have come out to me. And hurt and anger are there. And pride, do you see it? Anger and pride. God resists the proud. He can't help you when you're like that. He needs some humility. He needs a softness of heart. And if we don't remove sorrow and anger, they make us hard and the unlovely people we never want to be. Sometimes we're like, how did I end up? Why did I say that? Catch yourself in your words, and you can see in his words. It's too angry. Pride. Don't walk away from your answer. What does he do? He has servants who happen to love him, enough to go to him and go, Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something big, you would have done it, right? Because you like big things. You kind of like the show, the pomp and circumstance. You like to be known. Feels better to your flesh, right? Why wouldn't you do a little thing? See, in Naaman, you see tremendous national pride. That country's better. But if he wants healing... If he wants help, he has to humble his heart. He has to listen to a little correction, a little redirection. A little voice got him to where he could get help. A little voice can get him to his healing. What's he going to do? What are we going to do? When there's a little counsel that God's like, listen to it. It's not as insignificant as you think. You need more than healing from leprosy in your body. You need healing from leprosy in your soul. There's anger and a sin within. What's he do? Look. He goes down and he dips seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean or healed. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and he came and stood before him and he said, look at the response. Indeed, now I know 
There is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. His heart changed. Can you see it in his words? He's not like demanding. You were supposed to come out to me. You were supposed to put your hands on me. It was supposed to be this way. He didn't even have to go back to the man of God when he noticed his body and his flesh was clean, but he did, and he stood before him differently this time. And this is how we have to approach God. I'm your servant. Now I know there's no God in all the earth. He didn't even make the prophet out to be anything. He didn't praise him. He praised God. What can I give? What can your servant give and do? I'm coming to you. But you come differently. And that's where healing is. He walked away with much more than fresh skin. He walked away with a newness and a clean in his heart. He was able to walk away from his pride. And God was able to remove the anger and the sorrow, which may have been there from long ago. Can we do that? Yes, we can. God can help us. You may go, but you don't understand what's happened to my life. You don't understand the traumatic event. How often do we meet someone and we're like, what happened to you? Oh, now I know. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to define us if we'll let go of the anger and the sorrow and not feed it. I know in my own life, I've had to be careful because I've liked to hold on to things. I'm like, Alan, we get over it quick. I'm holding on to it. I'm like, I'm still ready to fight. Do you know in South America, that's how they capture monkeys? They, it's so fascinating. They take a coconut and they make a little hole in it. And he puts his little monkey hand in there. And then he grabs a hold of fruit in there and he won't let go. And his hand is in a fist as long as he's holding onto that fruit and he's not gonna let go. And the coconut is so heavy, he drags it around. And he can't get free, and he's captured. That's where the Bible says anger is a trap. It will trap you and the enemy to come in at that way. So maybe sometimes you're like, I, I thought, you know, once the divorce papers were over, I'd be over it, but it just keeps following me. Or the sorrow, or the abuse, or the addiction, or whatever it was, the traumatic event. Or you didn't win something. Whatever it is, you're like, you're dragging it around. Let go. Ask God, help me, Lord. Let go of it so I can get my hand out of this horrible situation that I don't want to follow me around all my life at all. God says this in 1 Timothy 2, 8. He says, I want men everywhere to pray. Come to me. He says what Elijah says. Come to me. Lifting holy hands without wrath. That means anger or reasoning. Clean hands, holy hands, open hands. No anger. If you're holding on to something, do you ever notice how your hand is in a fist? A fist, hard. A fist hits. A fist hurts. 
hurts our relationship, hurts our marriages, hurts our children, hurts our relationship with God. He didn't say lift up holy fists. We can't make excuses for that. We have to let it go. I've often sometimes given nice names to my anger, my pride. But those are things we have to walk away from. You're not weak if you do that. You're strong. If you can walk away from your pride, if you can do the little things God's asking you to do, you're strong. And you're on your way to a healing you never dreamed possible. There were many lepers that didn't get healed at this time. You can be someone that's like, I don't carry anything in my soul. It's amazing. Ask the Lord. Am I angry? Do I have too much in me? Can I walk away from my pride? He'll talk to you. Adam, talk to me. I was driving in a school zone, and I was going the speed limit, and a policeman stopped me. I was a little surprised. I'm like, you know, what am I doing? He said, your seatbelt, is it on? I said, yes, it's underneath my arm, though, and it's, it's attached right here. He went, mm. Okay, but it's supposed to be over your arm. And the reason why, and he goes on to tell me why, it was important for me to wear my seatbelt over my shoulder. And he says, you know what else? You're just driving so close to the steering wheel, it's not safe, I was watching you. The airbag goes off, it's gonna hit you in the face. And I was like, okay, thank you so much. He says, I'm not gonna give you a ticket, I'm just gonna give you a warning, because you're not driving safe for yourself. I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> I rolled my window up and I was mad. I was so mad. I'm like, thank you so much for making me late. How absolutely ridiculous. Who cares if I wear my seatbelt on or off? It's clicked in. It doesn't matter, does it? And besides, who cares if I drive close? Alan talks to me about that all the time, which made me double mad. <laughs> I'm like, if I want to like drive like a granny, then I'll drive like a granny. And so what if I get, uh, and I'm so mad, I'm mad and I'm coming up to the church, I'm mad, I get off at Gladstill and I'm like, why am I so angry? There's some really unlovely, ugly stuff coming out of me. And I knew it, I said, I don't like correction. I don't like redirection. And it was so little. The policeman was actually trying to help me. And I put the seatbelt over and relaxed. Are there people around you talking to you, trying to help you because they love you and get you back to where you need to be with God? The little girl, Elijah, the servants, they're getting Naaman to God where he can get help where he can be healed of the greatest offenses and error that he could have in his soul. Can we be corrected? Can we walk away from pride? That's strength. If not, we're a captive to sorrow and anger all our life. All we do is 
hit people and hurt people the same way we've been hurt. Why would you want to be the same thing that hurts you if you let it in you stand a good chance of that unless you remove it and you guard yourself from it. Uh-uh, it's not gonna come in. I'm amazed at the little serving girl. I'm so touched by her life because if anybody could have been angry, she could have been. You took me away from my parents. I'll never see them again. I'm a servant girl. What's in this for me? Who knows how many times she cried at night. Probably like, so what you're crying because you're sick? So what? I've cried too. I'm away from my parents. I'm just a child. I have no future anymore. She didn't. She couldn't have been a captive to anger because she had compassion and love and a strong faith and believe in God. And she had compassion for her master and just wanted to get him to the Lord. She was a witness as a little girl. Isn't that what we even want from our children? We can't protect them from sorrow and anger and pain in life. It will happen no matter how hard you try. It's all around us. We live in a world like that. But my heart, my prayer for your children, my children, our grandchildren is when life is hard and it hurts and it will, when it causes you sadness and sorrow and pain and you get angry and mad, don't let it in you. Don't let it dictate who you are. You love God in the midst. You love people enough to show the compassions of Christ and witness everywhere you are of who he is. His love is stronger. His love to us through us, can heal us, and then he can use us. You can be free too. And we walk away, not just physically, okay, but in our heart. Elijah blessed Naaman. He blessed him. When Naaman left, he said, I just want to take dirt from this part of the earth. He didn't want to dip in the river. He's like, this is holy ground. God's done some good things for me. I'm never going to just do anything or offer anything to any other God. Just this God who's been so good to me. And he goes, please pardon me. I want to make sure I'm forgiven. He's so soft towards the Lord. And that's what we want to be. Is it possible? With God, all things are possible. And this is when he heals our hearts deep on the inside. I love to study the life of Corrie ten Boom because she was from the Netherlands and in World War II, um, her and her family, they hid and saved 800 Jews. The Gestapo came and they captured them and almost all her family died in prison. Her father, her brother, her nephew, and her sister Betsy. There were times in Ravensbrück, a cruel prison where she was. She was very angry. Her anger had sit. It went from sadness to anger, and she said, I had hate in my heart. I never wanted to have anything to do with Germans, never wanted to go into that country ever again. But her sister Betsy said to her, no hate, Corey, no hate. 
We must love these people. After the war, they're going to need hope, they're going to need healing, and they're going to need help. And we need to tell them about the compassions of Christ. We need to tell them about Jesus. We need to be praying for them. She was like, ah, no. And she went and she asked God, please help remove the anger and the hate from my heart. And he did. She was released from Ravensbrook by a clerical error, but she was released more than physically. She was released in her heart. She went into Germany. She rented one of the concentration camps, painted it pastel colors, planted flowers, and took care of 160 refugees at a time with a waiting list, telling them about Jesus. Think she helped sorrow and anger in her heart, though she experienced so much loss? She couldn't have. She had strong feelings towards God strong feelings towards people in getting them to Christ. And that's what I felt in my heart to pray for all of us. That our compassions, we feel so deeply for God and we are free from sorrow and anger and pride. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all of us as a people and I ask you to help us, Lord. You know the traumatic events, the things said and done. No one knows but you. But you're bigger still. And I ask you, Lord, help us remove these unlovely, difficult emotions of anger, sorrow, and pride. And that there's a real freedom and release and peace that rests on our soul. The ability to love you and feel after you. And to love other people and get them to you too. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you keep your heads bowed just for a moment? Please, no one looking around, if you're here, maybe watching online, you say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure. But I want to be sure. Or maybe you realize I've been away from him and I need to come back. We're going to give you an opportunity to pray. We're going to pray for you. are not going to have you stand up or come down to the front. If you're watching online, this is a prayer that you can pray. We'll lead you in it. But I'm, I am going to ask you to do one thing. If that is you, and you say, I don't know that I really have a relationship with the Lord, but I want to be sure. Or you say, hey, I, I knew him, but I, I got away. I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you just quickly slip your hand up across this auditorium? So, Alan, that, that's me that you're talking to. Thank you. Yeah, I see you way in the back. Thanks. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Wonderful. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. And you think you missed your opportunity. You didn't. We're going to pray this prayer with you as a church family. If you're watching online, and, and you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. Here, we're going to pray it out loud. I encourage you to do that. The whole church family is going to join you. But let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. With heads still bowed and eyes closed, Father, thank you for those that prayed 
that prayer this, this morning, wherever they are, or watching online. Father, we thank you for that. But they've stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, or they've come back home, and we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that you've given us the capacity not to be scarred by anger and sorrow for the rest of our lives. That we have the capacity to let it go and let you into our lives to do a wonderful work. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.